0: why is it that we have no pain when we sin against God? When here Jesus is calling us to mourning over our spiritual bankruptcy that we are experiencing today as Christians. Or maybe you've never come to bankruptcy, spiritually speaking. Maybe that's why you continue to sin against God.
1: Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Well, today as Raul continues our study of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, we're glad you've joined us for a challenge to think about whether you're truly repentant when you disobey the Lord. You'll see today that He isn't fooled by religious lip service, so if your heart isn't surrendered and your sins are deliberate, it's time to confess your sins and begin following Jesus. Let's listen as Rawl Reese begins.
0: This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew as we are on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do chapter 5, verse 40 this morning. The title of my message, Blessed are the Broken. Blessed are the Broken. Missionary to the American Indians, Renard, he wrote in his journal this on October 18, 1740. He said, in my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my whole exceeding, notice, sinfulness and vileness in my life. When you think about your sinfulness, when I think about my sinfulness, when I look at the church of Jesus Christ today, when you look at people from all kinds of churches, that a lot of people, they have a lot of religion. But they don't have what we call relationship. And relationship is very important, especially in these last days. And we know that there's a difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's something that we need to communicate with people. My fear is that we have so many Christians in so many churches today that are very ignorant of the Bible. The word of God. But if you're not sure and you really don't know what's in the Bible or the word of God. What can you share with people? Nothing. Nothing. And that's why we go verse by verse and chapter by chapter and book by book. To understand the full counsel of God. Here Jesus moves his disciples away from the multitude of the people. The Sermon on the Mount is not for the multitudes. The Sermon on the Mount is for those that are true disciples. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Now he's going to talk here in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, there is no comfort in those who never find true repentance. The only reason that we are poor in spirit is because we're humbling ourselves before God. Admitting that we have sinned against God. And when I admit that I am a sinner standing before God, standing before men, then the result of my coming to Christ and admitting that I have sinned against Him is repentance. Truly repenting of my sins. When I look at the church today, it doesn't seem like the church has repented. That's the reason that at the beginning of the book of Revelation, the last book, when he starts in chapter 1 of Revelation, this introduction to the book, in chapters 2 and 3, he takes two chapters to speak to seven churches, seven messages. And in every one of the churches, he calls them to repentance. Even to the church of Ephesus, which was the first church, he says, everything you're doing and works is great. He says but there's one problem with you. You have left your first love. Who's our first love? Jesus Christ. Not my wife, not my children, not anybody in my family, not even my job. Jesus Christ is number one. If he's number one, then everything else will flow. That's just the way it is. And it's important that you come to that place where you examine your life before God and ask Him where you are spiritually. How much time do you spend in reading the Word of God? To know that now I have 66 books that not once have I read it, but I try to read it every single year all the way through. And there's no excuse because we have so many translations. So many translations today. And we need to know what God is saying, not only to the world, but what is he saying to me personally. So here Jesus is now speaking to his disciples. He's going to tell them about the kingdom of God. You notice the word mourn there? This word conveys the idea of grief and the deepest kind of grief you could ever experience in your life. When you're really, truly not laughing, you're truly crying. And you feel sorry for what you've done. It's a word of many tears. Those that really mourn have tears. Because they know that they have hurt themselves and they've hurt people. But most important, they hurt God by their lives personally. So Jesus wants to make sure that they're understanding what he's talking about here. God desires that every person that comes to Christ would be obedient to the word of God. In the Old Testament, when a Jew would come to a place of repentance or somebody died, they would take the clothes they were wearing and they would tear their clothes as an act of mourning. Mourning. And then they would take ashes and put it on their heads. And then they would take sackcloth and put it over them. They take the coat that they would wear and they turn it around, where it actually rubbed against the skin. It wasn't comfortable, but it was a pain. And then, they would come to that place of mourning before the people by weeping and crying for whatever had taken place. Somebody died or what else had taken. And even sometimes they would shave their heads as an act of mourning. So it's really important that we understand what Jesus is saying here. If you really are a true Christian, then whenever you sin, you don't take it lightly. You end up mourning because your sin was against God. And Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that sin grieves the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit gets grieved. And the word to grieve there in the Greek means to bring pain to the Holy Spirit because He's a person. And yet why is it that we have no pain? When we sin against God. When here Jesus is calling us to mourning. Over our spiritual bankruptcy. That we are experiencing today as Christians. Or maybe you've never come to bankruptcy. Spiritually speaking. Maybe that's why you continue to sin against God. And there's no conviction. And I would say to you, according to the word of God, if you have no conviction of sinning against God, you're probably not a Christian. Because every child of God that comes to repentance and accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior cannot ever get away with sin. Paul told us that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. He said that if we're really sons and daughters of God, then what's going to happen if you're a mother or father? If you have children that are rebelling or not being nice, what do you do? You correct them, you discipline them because you don't want them to grow up and be in prison or jail or whatever, you know, in life. You want them to be good citizens of this world. In the same way, because we are sons and daughters of God, when we sin, what does God the Father do? He disciplines us. He spanks us. He doesn't kill you. He spanks you so you get back on track. And yet, you can see in the scriptures that when Jesus talked to people, he always called them to follow him, but he called them, first of all, to repentance. John the Baptist, repent, Jesus, repent, Peter, repent, Paul, repent. That was the first word he gave to us about repentance in the New Testament. Repent, repent. Change from your ways. Turn from your ways. Come to the truth of Jesus Christ. Another translation is this, blessed is the man who mourns like one mourning for the dead. If Paul says in the book of Romans to reckon the old man to be dead, if we, through baptism, are not saved, then when I go into the water and I get beneath the water and come up from the water, what does it speak of my dying in Jesus Christ and my rising again in the newest of life in the newness of life as a child of God? So many people in so many churches they rather get baptized by water, but there 's no change here. Jesus is speaking about mourning, mourning for our sinful condition that we have come under. First of all, we were born in sin. We were born in sin because of Adam and Eve. Our nature is sinful. And then when you're joining a denomination or a cult, that doesn't save you, it brings you to bondage. And the only way people say, oh, you're too narrow-minded, Rob, talking about only one way to salvation. I didn't make the rules. Jesus did. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can ever, ever go to heaven unless you come through Jesus and you repent of your sins and you mourn over your sinful condition that you're really sorry for what you've done.
1: This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Roll Reese. Our goal is to help you grow in faith and enjoy close communion with God. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. Later on, we'll tell you about Roll's new Sermon on the Mount book for a limited time discount. But first, let's continue with more of Roll's lesson.
0: It's really important that we see that there's three kinds of persons that mourn by groaning. Number one, the person is desperately sorry for his sin and unworthiness before God. Not before men, before God. And then secondly, the person who really feels desperate plight and terrible suffering for others. You're compassionate. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 9.36. When he came into the town, he saw all these people. And he says this, that when he saw the multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were worried and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples to be poor in spirit, to have compassion. When you repent of your sins, then you need to have compassion for others. Don't be self-judging other people. Don't be critical with other people. Be compassionate. The third person who experiences personal tragedy and intense drama is a man who mourns over his condition, and his condition is sin. And what does it do? It leads him to confession and humility before God. And the result from that is God will lift you up. Not yourself. God will lift you up. So, the person who mourns is comforted by Christ Himself. He's the only one that can comfort us. Jesus was called the man of sorrows and also the man of comfort because He acquainted Himself with grief. Imagine all the grief He had when He went to the cross to die for you and me, the pain that He felt. When he took upon himself, Father turns his back on him, and he takes upon himself all of the sins of the world to give people an opportunity to come to know him through repentance, through mourning, so they can understand the grace and the love of God. So what we have here is that there is a godly sorrow, and there's also a worldly sorrow, Second Corinthians 7, 10, Paul says, For godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Death. Not heaven, but death. Not life, but death. And now remember in the psalmist when David sinned against God by going to bed with Bathsheba killing her husband, and then at the same time committing adultery, committing murder, and each time making excuses so God doesn't speak to him for almost a year. And then the prophet Nathan comes and gives him a little story that there were two people. One was rich, one was poor, and this guy had a lot of lambs, and he wanted to have a party, and this one guy over here had one lamb. He loved him like a little pet. And he went over and stole the lamb and killed it and barbecued it and gave it to his guest. And the prophet Nathan said, what would you do to such a person, king? He says, that man deserves to die. He says, you're that man. You took somebody's wife, you committed adultery, and then you killed her husband. And David, at that moment, and later on, he not only repented. But he wrote Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Listen to what he wrote. This is amazing. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. That's a willful act, you know, not a sin of ignorance, but a willful act. Watch me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned. Notice that. Sin is against God. Always. And then he says, I have sinned, you only, I have sinned, and done this evil in your sight. God saw it. That you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. He says, In the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which have been broken in me, that I may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Notice that. And do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me with the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then, here's the result, then I will teach transgressors your ways. Those that willfully are transgressing against God. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing out loud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. He says, you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offerings. Notice that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. There it is. From the Sermon on the Mount. A broken spirit. Notice, these, O God, you will not despise. God will not despise you when you break down to God. When you come as a mourner. When you come as one that has sinned against God and you truly want to be forgiven. Somebody wrote this about this beatitude. He said, Blessed is the man who cares intensely for the sufferings and for the sorrows and for the needs of other people. For other people, not just for yourself. And no that both of these thoughts are in the Beatitudes that we see here. And the main thought is, again, blessed is the man who is desperately sorry for his own sin and his unworthiness. His unworthiness. Lord, who am I? Lord, who am I? You are everything, oh God. What do we see in the church? Pride. Excuses made for sin. When really, truly, we should be up front and say, you know what, God, I did lie. I did commit adultery. I did go into a homosexual lifestyle. I did all these things, God, against you, and Lord, I come to you in repentance. In repentance and I want to mourn over my sin. And then you know what God does? He accepts you. He accepts you. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for each one of us here individually. And it's so cool how the Holy Spirit, we don't preach to people. We don't convert people. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know why God does these things? Number one, because God is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. In Second Peter chapter three nine, he says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise; His sum counts slackness, but His long suffering toward us, not willing, checks us out that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." There it is again, repentance, 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 repentance. to be sorry for what you've done against God, for transgressing His word. For doing your own thing. Secondly. God's goodness. Romans 2.4. He says. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness. Forbearance. Long suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God. Leads to repentance. Again. The long suffering of God leads to repentance. Not the judgment of God. God's long suffering for you. For me. When Peter got saved and he gave that beautiful sermon in Acts chapter 2. At the end of that, people were pricked in their hearts and they were convicted. Listen to what it says in Acts 2.37. And now when they heard this from Peter, they were cut to the heart. They were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's a good question. What do I need to do? To know Christ? What do I need to do to have peace in the kingdom of God? Repent. Mourn over your sinful condition.
1: Well, if the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of unconfessed sin during today's teaching, we encourage you to ask for His forgiveness, knowing that He's ready to receive you. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review the message you've just heard, call 800-634-9165, and we'll send you a complete CD copy for a donation of $5 or more. When you make your request, ask for Rawl's lesson titled, Blessed Are the Broken. We'd also like to tell you about a new book from Raul titled, Sermon of Sermons. As you delve more deeply into Jesus' instructions for a righteous life, you'll see that when you choose to walk in obedience, you can enjoy the rich spiritual abundance that God desires for you. Get in touch with us today to order Rawls' brand new book titled Sermon of Sermons and take advantage of our limited time introductory rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. To order, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. That's 800-634-9165. Or you can order by writing us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We hope you'll take advantage of all of our free Somebody Loves You resources. To enjoy podcasts of any of these programs at your convenience, utilize iTunes or Spotify. Spotify. We also encourage you to join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time for Straight Talk, a Q&A program exploring relevant life issues through a biblical lens. You'll also want to download our app for easy access to our online resource store, as well as a variety of resources to help you grow in your faith. Your partnership with Somebody Loves Your Radio is crucial to helping us remain on the air, faithfully teaching the good news of Jesus Christ every day. Thank you for the blessing of your tax-deductible donations. Well, it's our joy to meditate on the Bible's truth with you, and we hope you'll join us again next time for more from this series. As we consider God's redemptive work through the Bible, you'll see that you, too, can experience the Lord's restoration and enjoy a new life filled with eternal purpose. Here's Raul to close out today's program.
0: Remember again, Psalm fifty-one seventeen says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Have you been broken today? Are you being broken every day? Because he says, a broken and a contrite heart, these, oh God, you will not despise. God will accept you. God will be with you. God will bless you. And then someone else wrote this He says, Oh, the bliss of the man whose heart is broken for the world's sufferings and for his own sin. And for out of his sorrows, he finds the joy of God. The joy of God. Different from happiness. The joy of God can be found today here. As you submit your life to Jesus Christ. What did he say in the Beatitude? He says, you shall be comforted. Comforted. Who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit. He will comfort you. Why? Because God loves you.